Welcome to Lyme Time. I'm Allie from the Tick Chicks. We are all more than Lyme disease and chronic illness, and together we stand with you to overcome and rise. I'll bring you closer to the experts in cutting edge treatments and even a few unexpected ways of healing. I'll ask the questions you want answers to regarding Lyme disease and successful ways of getting you closer to 100%. We are in this together and will not be defined by Lyme. Today, I am so proud and honored to have Raisa Pereira as my guest. And I want to tell you a little bit about her first. Raisa Marie Pereira was born in Brooklyn, New York, and raised in Staten Island, New York. She is 32 years old and currently resides in Luisa, Puerto Rico, with her rescue pit bull, Carrie. That's so cute. She was diagnosed with Lyme and co-infections at 29 years old after suffering for two decades. She studied broadcast production at Lehman College and wrote, directed, and produced the film, Your Labs Are Normal, based on her personal experience. She has done both holistic and antibiotic treatments, although still has some lingering issues. She's an advocate and a voice for black and brown people struggling with tick-borne illness and raises awareness for those in her community who may not be familiar with the signs and symptoms. Welcome, Raisa. Hello. I'm so, so happy to meet you in person, kind of. Um, yeah. <laughs> the airwaves, I guess. Um, mainly because, you know, I consider you an expert in this field because there aren't a lot of people talking about it. And from my experience, and I certainly want to be exposed to it. And I know that there, there is the community out there, but in terms of just uh, people of color and Lyme disease, I find it extremely challenging, which we're gonna get into in just a second. But before we do, I wanna just get a, a little history on your health journey. I mean, where you kind of began and where you you know are today. Yeah, so I mean, when I was a kid, I had like, aches and pains here and there like what I experienced as a child wasn't super debilitating but it was always there like I started with pain in my knees and then I had pain like along my entire spine like the the actual vertebrae um not the muscles um and like as I got older it just like there was like piling up the symptoms it was like, okay, I have this pain in my knees, then my spine, then my hip, <laughs> then my shoulder, and then my stomach hurts all the time. Like, I got really sensitive to certain foods. And at one point, I thought, um, as I got older, I heard about um, alpha gal syndrome, because I went on a school trip in high school. And we had cheeseburgers. And the next day, like, I could barely stand up. So it was always these like random things. And then once I got to college, disaster, like neurological symptoms, all the time and then once I hit my mid-20s I was just in pain all like literally all the time I remember my boyfriend at the time he would like try to give me massages and he would barely put pressure and I'd be like screaming in pain and then um once I got to my late late 20s I could barely make it up the stairs to work like you know I worked in the city so like the subway and then trying to get up just literally like one flight of stairs was killing me. I will have to wait for everyone to go upstairs. 
and then go up because I was moving so slowly. And in New York, you can't move slowly. Especially during rush hour, like nobody's going to let you go up the stairs that slow. And eventually, like my period stopped. And they were like, you're like in pre-menopause. And I'm like, I'm 29, what? (laughs) Or like 28, 29. And they were like, don't worry, when you want to have kids, we can just give you some fertility drugs. And I was just like, I don't know why this is happening. I blew up like 40 pounds and I've been petite my whole life. So something's wrong. Like, and I worked in fitness for a long time. Like I used to work out all the time. Like I loved exercising and doing yoga and I couldn't do anything anymore. So I'm like, it's not depression causing this. I'm depressed because I don't know what's going on. Not the other way around. And then eventually I got to, I think probably like, I don't know what number doctor, like number 50 or something. And she's like, I think you have Lyme disease. And I'm like, mm, okay. And literally the next, like a, a day or two later, she sent me like a message via like the patient portal. And it literally said, hey, you tested positive for Lyme disease. That might be the cause of the pain you're feeling for like your whole life. <laughs> I'm going to give you two weeks of doxy and that should clear it right up. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm lost. Like I'm so lost right now. I was at work. I remember. And I'm looking at my phone and my coworkers are like, congratulations. Like you'll be good in like six weeks. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I was crying and then kind of happy because people were like, you'll be great. And like, I didn't really know anything or anyone or at least anyone that has ever spoken about it. So I was like, what? Did you, when, well, first of all, had you heard about Lyme disease, like in general, had it ever crossed your mind? The only reason I ever heard about it was for my dog. Like I had a dog as a child and I was like, oh yeah, we give her that little like pill once a month. For Lyme disease, but I had no idea like what that even meant. And, and, and then, you know, so when you got the news, it was like a mixture of emotions and did it, did anything inside of you go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I did have tick exposure at a young age or I was kind of, I mean, did you think back in your life and, and did any part of it make sense? Um, I mean, it did make sense because I used to go to um, summer camp like every summer. um, My dad's job paid for me to go to summer. It was just during the day, like the bus would pick me up and then I would come home and we were like in the woods. But that's that's when it kind of like was like, oh, maybe that's when it happened, because that was around the age I started going every summer to those, you know, to camp. And I remember I used to get a ton of bug bites, like super red big mosquito bites that they would turn like almost purple and they would be hot to the touch and my pediatrician would he already knew like clockwork oh here's your antibiotics every summer okay all right and where was the camp that you went to in staten island so yeah i mean yeah you started connecting the dots a little bit but still like super unclear because as i understand it you never you didn't remember having a tick and you didn't see a a bullseye rash no oh my god sorry my dog is like (laughs) or she would pick right now (laughs) 
Uh, so, so, but like, but no signs, you, you didn't think back in your life and go, oh my gosh, I had that tick embedded in my neck. Or like, I had that weird rash that nobody could figure out. Nothing like that. No, you know, what was crazy. My dad, every time I would get the, the bites, he would be like, something doesn't look right. Every summer he'd be like, something does not look right there. And the doctor said, I just had like a severe, I would just get a severe reaction. I think now they call it Skeeter syndrome mm. because at times it would like blow up. And it, if you looked at it, like I have, I think I have pictures somewhere. They kind of look like a bullseye rash, but I guess we've never seen examples on my color skin. So I don't even know if they would know what it looked like. Very interesting. Okay. So then fast forward, you get the diagnosis and I assume you tried, uh, tell me, well, you tell me what treatments did you try from that moment forward? So, um, she gave me the two weeks of doxy. I took the two weeks of doxy and I thought I was dying. Yeah. I was like, I'm literally going to pass away right now. Like this, it got worse. Everything got worse. I couldn't walk straight. Like I would just fall over to the side. I remember going to the um, follow-up appointment and I was like scaling the wall to get there because I couldn't, like, I couldn't keep my balance at all. And then she says, Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why you feel like this. And I'm like, wait, like, I thought like you gave me the answer. I thought like she would like cure me at that point. And then of course I looked to the internet and was like, my friend was like, there's gotta be a Facebook group for that. <laughs> Cause my friend, she has like, super, she always had bad migraines and I'm like, okay, a Facebook group. And that's literally where I found all my answers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, you're experiencing a herx. And when the symptoms get like worse and I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then they told me, like, you know, they gave me the rundown, like, this is what happens. This is what the CDC says and like all these things. So I was getting all my information there and they were like, you need way more time on the antibiotic and like you have to detox, like all the things I had to do. So actually the doctor prescribed me like another two weeks of Doxy and then an RN that I know on Instagram she told me you can order it from this website for like animals. It's like a veterinary website. And I literally ordered like, I ended up taking like six months of doxy from like the internet because really? nobody else helped me. And that actually helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, Was it hard when you were on it? And then once you got off, you experienced, that's when you experienced a lot of relief. Um, or was it while you were still after on? A few, after a few months, I was starting to feel like, okay, like I'm getting somewhere. And then I went to a naturopath um, here in Georgia because one of my mom's friends, like one of her friends went, went there for Lyme disease too. So, and my stomach was so destroyed. Like I could not stomach any more antibiotics. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this like natural course for now. Um, but the neurological symptoms, like I couldn't kick for anything in terms of like body pain and like some energy, like I got all that back, but the neuro neurological stuff was just too much to handle. So then I went to Dr. Jemsek in DC and I had to get my gallbladder out, which helped a lot. Like I felt like a new person when they took my gallbladder out. 
I was like, I'm ready to party. <laughs> like I'm pure. <laughs> like everything is great. <laughs> and and then I had like, I was great for like a month, and then I crashed. And I I asked the doctor, I'm like, what the hell happened here? And she's like you they injected me with you know a ton of antibiotics to you know um prevent infection so she's like you probably just got like a boost of like energy from that and then you crash and I was like I walked like two miles like a week after my surgery I haven't barely walked to the corner in like years and um but they they've really helped me a lot yeah and so it sounds like you still have a, a few existing lingering symptoms as most chronic Lyme disease people do. People that never saw the tick bite, never knew what was going on, just had an onset of symptoms. Um, you know, we're sort of all in the same boat, which is, you know, if you find a tick and you see the rash and you pull it off and get it tested and start immediate <laughs> antibiotics, you're lucky. Um, so in the black and brown community, um, what are some, what have you started finding that are the symptoms that can be overlooked just by virtue of somebody's skin color? Um, <laughs> but I mean, let's take aside the financial, but like, I'm just saying like physically, what happens to people of color when they go into a doctor's office? I feel uh, this is just from growing up and seeing a pattern with like culturally, at least in my home and like with people I know who are like Puerto Rican. I know so many people who have chronic pain. And I mean, like, they're just always talking about something that hurt. Like, oh, I have this issue or like, I have this pain in my joints or like, I have this problem with my knees. It was always like, someone saying something about their health that was just normal like oh well we all have that it runs in the family like I'm like joint pain runs in the family like something like something doesn't make sense there as I got older or just that was probably like the number one thing and a lot of like gastro issues um that people do you, do you feel like even if somebody um, of color had an actual rash or or um even bites to 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 on some level but do you think that they're harder to detect just because simply of the skin color the skin tone oh for sure. yeah for sure because i mean even um growing up i had i started getting cystic acne when i was like 13 and I remember they would give me these things like nothing helped. And sometimes I remember being like the only like black person in the waiting room a lot of times for majority of my doctor's appointments. And I didn't think of it as like anything then because I was I was young and I was like I I knew something was wrong, but like I didn't know how to voice it. And then once I got old enough to like understand and I would look up things online, I'm like, I I can't find anything of my color. Like or you have to Google like black, blah, 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 or like darker skin, blah, blah. And then even then you barely find anything. And I mean, this is like anyone darker than like a porcelain skin tone. Like, yeah, even like on your skin tone, I don't even find anything. So I'm like, how are the rest of us supposed to get any type of answer? Yeah. And then what in terms of 
you know, again, when a person of color walks into a room with a doctor um, and gets this kind of diagnosis, what do you feel like, how do you feel like um, the differences are for people of color in terms of financial, the, the burdens and the lifestyle changes they need to make and those kinds of burdens? Do you feel like they're different for people of color? Or I feel like a lot of times they think we're looking for pills. I know that's like a popular one where they'll say like, no, you just want to take these, you know, um, because you have like an addiction to pills or something. Um, and I mean, a lot of times if you live in lower income neighborhoods, you're probably on Medicaid and those doctors a lot of times are just, I don't know, they, they're like, standard of care is very low they're kind of it's like they're just there because they have to be not really because they want to mm-hmm. um, and of course like if you live I've lived in the Bronx compared to like where I grew up in Staten Island I lived in like a fairly decent neighborhood you know and then when I lived in the Bronx I'm like how do these people they don't even have access to fresh fruits here you can walk into the supermarket and barely see any fruits or vegetables compared to like in a nicer neighborhood where you would see like a whole produce section, like they barely have that in the Bronx is like a complete food desert. And I'm like, how will these people ever even have a chance to get healthier if they don't even have decent food? Like they're just stuck there with like terrible medical care. There's not good food. They don't have any resources in terms of like like if you don't even have enough money you're not even gonna think about like a holistic doctor like I didn't even really know what that was when I was a child I'm like natural doctor like that doesn't even make any sense and then as I got older I'm like what's crazy to me is a lot of things that I was given in terms of from the naturopath are things that are created like by us yes I'm like, you go to Dominican Republic and like, I've had friends in, in DR that lived there and they, they had lived in the States for like 10, 20 years. And then they go back and like drink the water and they get a parasite. So they're like, oh, I just got to go to the old lady down the street. So like, she can give me something to drink and it just flushes it out. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is like the biggest form of gaslighting I've ever seen in my life. We yeah. made these things. Like we made these things. And then it became like a white thing in the States, mm-hmm. but over there, you just go pick the stuff off the tree and like eat it and that's fine, like you're good. And then here it's like backwards. We don't have access to the things that we created in our culture. That's very true, that's very yeah, true. That. <laughs> wow. Now that is gaslighting on a whole other level. It's sort of like um, the indigenous people really knew how to make certain medicines from the earth, from herbs, from tinctures, um, from, you know, even just compresses and how they would use certain leaves for that. And um, so, yeah, and most of those were people of color um, communities. So I agree with you, something happened along the way and uh, those were, kind of given a bad name. However, I do think that thankfully they're on the upswing again, especially with this latest pandemic. I think people that were, first of all, people turned to the internet and 
most people have internet access. And so therefore, people in different communities could actually tune into a doctor and get snippets of actual good information and ask the questions they wanted to ask. So I think in a way, the pandemic has met, made the world smaller in terms of access to information. And hopefully um, all the communities can, you know, find something there because there is some good advice. There's bad advice as well, but there, there are a lot of um, integrative and functional medicine doctors that are on there regularly giving um, different solutions. Also, sometimes you can just Google, you know, natural remedies for certain symptoms. And if you just have a little patience because it usually takes a little longer to really start working. Um, they're great. Um, do you have you seen any advances um, in terms of uh, people in co of color and tick-borne illness? I mean, I know you've done some research on it, but have you seen any sort of advances? Or is there any good news? Um, honestly, in in that aspect, not at all. I feel like um, we're becoming more aware of how bad the treatment is in the medical field. Like people are becoming more aware or looking for more doctors of color to go see and like realizing like the issues that were there that they probably just didn't realize. Because I feel like a lot of us talk about how we just trusted anyone who was a doctor because you're a doctor. Like we didn't think doctors would be racist <laughs> it's just like you're a doctor like you're here to fix us and you don't care about anything else like our personal life or you know um what we look like or where we come from but now I guess there's so much information out there now um it's it's and I feel like there's more there's more doctors of color at least future doctors of color that are like really trying to change things that would be that would be so key and clutch um I I, I can kind of relate, not as a person of color, but more as a woman, you know, when you walk into certain doctor's offices and you read them the list of symptoms and granted, I mean, it, it, it's a tick-borne illness is very, very hard to diagnose, but once you know these symptoms, like it's clear to me when anybody is on, on the internet going, I have a mystery illness and these are my symptoms and I don't, I haven't been able to get help. You know, I mean, a lot of times it's tick-borne illness, but it, but it, but I do believe the medical community has struggled with prejudices against um, people of color, women, you know, anybody that comes in and just says, um, and God bless the men that come in and they reach their vulnerable state and actually admit to somebody that they're ha that they're suffering. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a huge step for men. Men are still like in the closet, so to speak, because a lot of the times when you're saying, well, I'm having anxiety, I'm having depression. I'm, I have terrible joint pain. I get dizzy. I'm, you know, I mean, I, I'm not functioning. I mean, I think this is where the root of a lot of the prejudices are instead of let's get to the root cause. Yeah. You're suffering, you're in pain. You're not sitting in here complaining, wanting pills. Um, 
wanting to take medicine, you know, of course we all want to take medicine in the beginning, but um, hopefully we'll, we'll see some advances in that area soon. But let's talk a little bit about your passion because you have found a way to take your pain and really do something which not a lot of people have done, which is to make an actual film called Your Labs Are Normal. And I mean, this is next level stuff. This is big time. This is making an actual movie about it. And so can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I always liked writing like that was since I was a kid, like just writing stories. Um, and I remember the day I was like, huh, I'm gonna just write a script. Like um, it was when the pandemic started. So I was home and I'm like, well, whatever. I just started writing it. And I'm like, just about my experience. Cause it's still, I was trying to like make sense of it. And I'm like writing it down. And then um, I think one day I just told my mom, I was like, man, I wish I could like make this an actual film. And she's like, you want to do it? I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, so let's do it. And I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? She's like, I can, I have some money saved and I can borrow the rest from like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. She's like, <laughs> um, like, I can borrow some 401k. And I'm like, oh my God, mom, what? And I remember it was like, new year's eve or something and i'm looking up like production companies and i emailed a few and one of them he got back to me like the same night and i'm like dude do you like not like take a break from your job and he's like let's jump on a call tomorrow and like let me see your idea and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm like this is my budget man i don't have a lot and i mean it's a lot of money in terms of like if you want to heal tick-borne disease like it's a good amount of money like but in terms of the film world it's pennies you know and I sent him the scripts and he sent it to his team and they were like wow this is like fucked up you know like like the story is like not a, a fun one you know but they were like I'm on and and I mean I the budget I had did not give these people the money that they're used to or what they deserved but they were I mean like I don't know. They were the greatest crew ever. Like they knew what they were doing and they let me really like direct the story. Cause they were like, this is about you. So we need you to like literally um, show us what you were going through. And even like the sound woman, she lives in California and I was describing to her like what I would hear. So like, that's why she made like those screechy sounds. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had written me after that and they were like, you nailed the sound, like the tinnitus that we hear. And I'm like, girl, that was the, uh, I think her name is Jules. And I was like, girl, you nailed everything. Um, so yeah, then we literally, um, like in January, we had a meeting and then we shot it in March. And by like June, it was done. Um, literally every actor in the movie is one of my friends. Um, so each one of them have seen me through different stages. And um my friend Sonja, who played me, like, she asked me, like, how did, like, how did you feel here? How did you feel here? Like, she really, I mean, she, like, worked her ass off, and I mean, I didn't have money for any of these people, 
And they were like, no, we love you, girl. Like, and a few of them were like, we've been stuck at home during the pandemic. Like, I have to do something. Like, I have to do like my craft and art. So it was just a really good experience. Um, it was only five days of filming, but for our bodies, it literally felt like I was hit by a dump truck. Like, I don't even know how I survived the five days. Cause I was like, oh my God, this is not going to work. And that made me so depressed because that's what I studied in school. And like, that's all I've ever wanted to do was like work on TV or film sets. And I'm like, how will I ever be able to do this if I can't last through the day? Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's so taxing. Uh, one person told me, one neurologist told me, he said, do you have any stress in your life? You know, and this is when I'm going through my diagnosis. And I said, no, no, actually, that's the weird thing. I don't have stress in my life. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm building my dream home. I'm happy. I'm have these three kids and, you know, I get to go to their soccer games and all this stuff and everything. He's like, what, what I'm trying to tell you is your body doesn't understand good stress from bad stress. So it's your it's like there's neurons just firing at a rapid rate. And so here you were doing your dream job, but it was taxing as though you had been hit by a truck, you know, yeah. and it, your body just didn't know the difference. So that's very, you know, as you know, it's very common for people with Lyme disease um, to, to take one step forward and like 10 steps back. And well, I'm glad you pushed through because, um, you know, it's incredible the way you're reaching out and giving back and, and really making awareness for those in your community, as well as every community, you know, and but going back to, you know, being exhausted and, and really down in a flare after your production, Truthfully, this is why a lot of celebrities don't come forward with the fact that they have Lyme disease because they don't, they know, they know that they will not be seen the same from production companies in terms of liability and, and keeping everybody on track and everything. So, you know, I kind of, I just say that for everybody's awareness, you know, why don't do celebrities do more and why don't these people do more. Yes, I agree. They should be doing more, but at the same time, that's their livelihood. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, I get your frustration, like, but that's, this is their job. And I get why they wouldn't say something, you know, I'm like, yeah. Sad but their true. career, you know, like it will change everything for them. Do you have any projects coming up? Would you like to do it again? Um, I mean, I have other projects in the work, but it's not surrounding Lyme disease. It's just, honestly, I'm kind of tired of like discussing this topic, not with like, you know, like people like us, the community, but I just can't, like, I can't do any more surrounding it. It was really hard to see it being acted out. Does that make sense? Like watching it because I'm like, it was like watching myself. Because when we were on set, they were like, we need Risa. And I'm like, what? And they're like, no, you know, the, the fake Risa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there were some scenes where I was like actually crying because I'm like, I can't believe this was real life. Like, I can't, I can't believe this is my real life. I'm sure it was like going through it all over again 
from the beginning, you know, yeah. and I understand that it's almost like the way we get doctor fatigue, you know, the way somebody gets, you know, natural disaster fatigue, like people in Florida, they don't want to batten down the hatches anymore. Cause they're like, Oh, we, we go through this a hundred times, you know? Um, but, but the, the fact that you did take time out of your career and all the forces came together when they did during the pandemic and a tunnel opened up for you and you had a way of working through it means a lot to this community. And I, and, you know, I thank you for, for everything that you've done. Um, how can everybody tune into the film? Tell us how to do that. Um, I mean, now it's pretty easy at first. I wasn't sure like how distribution or any of that worked. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you can imagine that's really hard when it's like your first film. No one's really like Netflix isn't like jumping at me <laughs> to like put it on there, you know, like on their platform. But never um, say I have... never, never say never. <laughs> never know. I mean, you're true, true. That's true. Um, one day, one day. Um, I have it on Vimeo for um, people who don't speak English. I have like full closed captioning or those that are hard of hearing. Um, and also have it on YouTube now, just so anyone can access it. That's great. And, um, and can you let everybody know here how to find you, what your different platforms are? Um, I mean, like Facebook and Instagram, Instagram is Negra con Lime. I guess I can like write that out somewhere once, <laughs> once it's, um, out, but that's also my website too. Well, I do like blogging there. Honestly, I told myself when I started the blog, like I was going to do one a month <laughs> and we know how that goes. <laughs> I think that was like two years ago and I have like six blogs on it. <laughs> well, I find your Instagram really, your Instagram account to me is great. I think it's a great vehicle for getting the word out there and, you know, just being a real person with real struggles and, and the actual real journey of Lyme disease. Um, it's never quite over for a lot of people. And I think they find a lot of hope by, by, sh by sharing your story and by being there with you along, along the journey. Um, so I always give everybody a chance to just give some parting words um, for the, especially with you, the people of color community, if they're tuning in and they're struggling with a mystery illness or a recent diagnosis of tick-borne illness, um, what, what words of wisdom can you leave them with? Um, I mean, first I would say, oh man, sorry. I had like something in my brain and it went away. Um, don't take no, I guess, for an answer. And I always tell people now, especially when you go to the doctor and they deny just even like a basic test that you want to do, ask them to notate that in your chart. Because I can't tell you how many things I went back and looked at in terms of like my charting for blood work and everything. And there were so many things flagged by the people who read my labs and I was never told. And I remember when I was diagnosed, I was like, what the hell? No one ever told me any of these things. So always have um, access to all your information, like labs, medications you've taken, doctors you've seen, like have all these things ready 
and always on hand. Um, like I said, don't take no for an answer. Like, you know your body better than anyone else. Um, and I mean, if you just don't have any answers, you can come to me. Because <laughs> I'm like somewhere. Oh, and I also host the BIPOC meetup uh, for Generation Lime. It's right now, it's only once a month on the first Friday of every month at 8 p.m. Um, eventually, I might try to do more, but as you know, with Lyme, it's kind of hard to commit to something so often, especially when you're working at the same time. So, um, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, the Generation Lyme is great. And and how? What platform do they use for for your meetup? Uh, we use Zoom. Zoom. Okay, yeah. perfect. That's great. Good to know. And yeah. also on um, on my YouTube, I just put uh, posted a video, and it's me, um, my friend Ella, and. Shaw, who are two other Black women who have Lyme. I called it like the Black girl Lyme chat. So just us talking about, I mean, relatable things to anyone in the community, but it's from three Black women. So I feel like it would just make other people of color feel seen if, you know, they just want to find something that maybe they can be like, hey, that's me, you know, like, that's what I felt like, that's what happened to me. Like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful outlet. That's great. I mean, I bet a lot of people will start tuning into that to have um, three representations of tick-borne illness in, in the community. And, yeah. you know, especially you can even speak to childhood live. It sounds like you got it when you were a child and that's our biggest hit community, our children. And they often, it often displays as knee knee swelling and joint pain so so thank you for sharing that thank you for being here today and um i look forward to your future projects i hope you keep us all posted it's just it's just a pleasure speaking with you thank you thank you bye-bye